Welcome to our Saturday, May 22nd, 2021 Bible study. It is moderated by Luann, and she's going to start. For three years, Mrs. Eddy withdrew from the world to meditate and pray and search the scriptures, and she enjoined all students of Christian science to study the scriptures in science and health with key to the scriptures habitually. And we should value daily our study before everything else. For this study promotes the individualization of science and the science of life. The scriptures, when understood in the light of revelation of our textbook, become fundamental and very sacred to the student of Christian science. Mrs. Eddy says, The Bible was written in order that all peoples in all ages should have the same opportunity to become students of the Christ, truth, and thus become God-endued with power, knowledge of divine law, and with signs following. And this is from Addresses by Martha Wilcox. Um, our topic for today is for everything there's, there is a season, and this is part two. did part one a couple months ago. February 20th. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> um, We'll give an explanation of Solomon's poem in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, using references from Jesus' teachings and express how he brought light to each verse. Um, first of all, did anybody want to say anything about the quote? Mm -mm. Well, it's a pretty awesome quote. We all have the equal opportunity as uh, God's children. I love Mrs. Eddy's or Mrs. Wilcox's uh, comment about the individualization of the science of life, and this is in reference to studying the Bible and science and health. I mean, who else has taught us that we are life, God? individualized and expressed. This is such a profound uh, statement of Christian science. Are we going to come up to the realization of this? I mean, Paul says that we're the temple of the living God, and Mrs. Eddy makes it very clear that yes, life, who is God, is expressing himself through each of us individually. And it's really quite a profound thing when you think about it. Somewhere Mrs. A says that the, the daily study of the lesson um, will promote Christian science more than anything else. Does. I can't remember where I read that, but you put it very plainly that daily study is most important. Yes, thank you. That's right. It does say that. And, um, you know, part of the glory of the pandemic was that we all have had more time to do this and we should, we should go in going forward make sure we are studying our textbook and the Bible daily and deeply study will save us much much trials and tribulations if we do and it will advance mankind incredibly if we do and here in our church, we're all doing it together, our lesson that we study, and uh, it's a tremendous power. Um, Lawrence, tell them how you work daily for the for the science and health. You had sent me notes a while ago, some of your thoughts that you work with. <laughs> oh, just that uh, when, when it's read, wherever it's read, it, it, its message will go and bless that some will benefit from hearing it, that it cannot be opposed. It is, it is for, the, for mankind's salvation. There is no opposition to this word. And I love <clears throat> the fact that it's showing us here that that's why she chose Bible and science and health as the pastor, forever pastor, that we can go to and listen for how our daily lives should be lived. Thank you. 
and and this is work we all should be doing daily. Um, and and this is the lesson this week on the leaven of truth, working and spreading its message out to the world. So when you think of the Bible being written a few years ago and the opposition to its being published and the great opposition to its being translated into a language other than Latin that people could actually understand it and be blessed by it. Then you think of the opposition to the publication of our textbook, Science and Health. You realize how important these books are and how important it is to study their day. Because the opposition is from, um, you know, it's, the opposition is from false belief. It's from hu the human, so-called human mind, which doesn't want to be destroyed. And, you know, it's good to remember that the human mind is a killer, if it could. That is the intent of the human mind. So, you know, we study these things. We study the Bible. We study the science and health textbook for our own benefit. And by doing so, we benefit all mankind. And we realize we become God and dude. I love that. <laughs> we, we feel God's presence within us. And it gives us the power to have dominion over every false belief. This is, this is wonderful when you realize the importance, how powerful it is, and how all-encompassing it is. That's a beautiful quote. To a time. To a time. So you make sure you have a time and a purpose in this study. The most important thing you have to do every day. Okay, Luann, part two. Okay. Well, we'll get started with the first line where we left off. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. So what did Jesus say about these things? I'm going to have Sharon call on people. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus speaks of uh, a nobler grief. I'm reading from notes I took from one of the commentaries. Up a bit. Karen, oh, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Is that better? Yes. Is that better? Okay. Yes. Um, yes. I, I read some, in some, um, commentary. I can't remember where it was. Jesus speaks of a nobler grief, uh, a way of waking, uh, a weeping for our sins and the sins of others. For we shall be filled with joy at the forgiveness of our sins, and laughter was spiritual joy. That's what laughter in the Bible is really. And we shall be comforted, for ye shall laugh. Be filled with spiritual joy and pleasure, and be comforted with the consolation of the Spirit. That's what I think I found. That, that good, God's mercy. Yeah, that's a, Very good. <clears throat> That goes with Luke six twenty one. It says, "Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh." Yeah, thank you. You know, it, it, you see that sometimes when people seem to be having a high old time, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And others are seem to be suffering. And if the high old time is not based on godliness, that high old time will come to an abrupt and sometimes very horrible ending. So, what what does the Bible also say? The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. 
So it, can, it, it we must be very mindful about what we're doing, whether it's we're having a, a weeping time or a more of a happy time that we are with the Father. And whatever time we're having, as long as we're with him, it'll be okay. And mm -hmm. if we're not, it will not. You know, as a as a young person, I read that book several times, Gone with the Wind. It had a huge impression on me. Um, all of that so-called gaiety and... Uh, yeah, uh, high old life, but it was based on the slavery of others. It came to a very, very abrupt and drastic ending, and and it, it to some degree, it, it's, it still continues because, as we say, you know, war doesn't end um, hatred and doesn't really end it. That the hearts and minds of men must. Changed. And that's where the science comes in, the Christianity comes in, because this is the type of healing we must have. And that's the only time it's class. And that is, when that happens. Otherwise, there's nothing, there's nothing funny going on. And what is the shortest sentence in the Bible? Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with weeping, especially when it's it's just a form of releasing. When it's a purification process. Yeah. Jesus later said in Luke 6, Woe unto you that for you shall mourn and weep. We knew the end of this so-called uh, laughter based on materiality. It, it hurts people. It does. And and what is that statement too? Um while Rome Rome narrow fiddled yes. while Rome burned. Yes. Yes. That that end of the Roman Empire, which was also based on materiality and godlessness. And so it will be and we we talk about history repeating itself and it sure does. And that's why the study of the Bible is so essential. So we don't have to go down that path again. We keep having to learn the same lessons generation after generation. Are we going to obey the commandments, the Sermon on the Mount? Are we going to love our neighbor as ourselves? Are we going to do obey the commandments or not? And if we're not, we will weep bitter tears. And it won't be a pretty picture. Also, from the park, and he had nothing else to resort to other than his playing the fiddle. Well, how much better is it to study the Word of God and have this foundation? So when challenges and trials come, yeah, you've got something really substantial to work with instead of just going alone and playing your fiddle, so to speak. In um, Matthew 11, verse 17, it says, and saying, this is Jesus saying this, and saying, we have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. And he was talking about people Wait, we lost you, Dale. Hang on, please. Okay, someone speak. Are we back on? Um, okay, now we can hear you. Yep, go ahead. Okay, I'm I'm not sure what you didn't hear. <laughs> um, anyways, it was referring to um, Matthew 11:17 when Jesus was um, telling the people they had seen the works and yet they didn't appreciate them and they judged John the Baptist and the prophet and the prophets and Jesus and 
and they they didn't appreciate anything that they were given and all the miracles and he said that they were um they they just they speak up repent. they speak did up. not repent and benefit from the work right also i found in john 16 20 um jesus says verily i say unto you that ye shall weep and lament but the world shall rejoice and ye shall be sorrowful but your sorrow shall be turned into joy thank you yeah, because sometimes you, there's great struggling in the science. Sometimes it's very difficult, and and you look around, you think everyone else is having a high old time, but you're you're having so much struggle and pain and difficulty. And then on top of that, you say, "Yeah, and I'm a Christian scientist, and look at all this." Well, hush with that, because you keep at it, and and it will turn around. It will turn around. God has His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. He's He's taking care. Yeah, and we, it, it, is, it is a good thing to mourn with, at the recognition of our own sins and our own, you know, failings and our own drifting apart from God. I mean, it's a good thing to mourn when we recognize those things. And sometimes it's a mighty struggle. Mrs. Eddie says you know, it requires work, and it's sometimes a mighty struggle to get your thought back to where it should be. It's less of a mighty struggle if we spend time every morning studying the Bible and science and health and thinking about the lesson and what it means to us. But, yeah. if, but, but, if, but there's always a falling away before the crash comes. When the crash comes, mourning for our faults, our, you know, our, our falling away is a good thing. It's the first step, Mrs. A explains in the textbook, it's the first step of reformation and spiritualization of thought. Thank you. And I know with myself, I did an awful lot of naughty thinking, so to speak, negative and fearful thinking for a long period of time before the roof began to fall in. And then, after waking up to some degree, it took me a lot of work to get my thought turned around and to start thinking right. And it before things began to get better. And at, during that time, you're always asking, oh, Lord, how, how long, how long? Well, you just, you can't ask that because in truth you're perfect now. And the more you ask that question, the more you're making a reality of the problem. You just have to keep focused and keep walking, even if it's with bloody footsteps, Mrs. Eddie says, one step at a time. You just keep at it and know God is with you in it. And He is. And the light does come around. I'm just saying it takes a while to get into a bad problem. Sometimes it takes a while to get out of it. And I certainly saw that with my own life. Yeah. And, and, and when you, yeah, and when you come out of it and, and, and you see the light and you, and you, and you, and you feel the joy of being closer to God and seeing things more clearly and being healthier, and being much better off in every way, be careful that you don't think it was you who did it. In your in your laughter and in your dancing, be very grateful to God for having given you eternal life. Thank be you. very grateful to God for the privilege of being His image and likeness. Yeah, and stay on your knees. And then you will find the greatest joy, the greatest laughter and dancing that you ever could have known. But it's not a, uh, a false gaiety. It's a deep richness about it. We're taught, and it's true, the people of God are what? 
have enduring wit and vivacity. They have enduring wit and vivacity. And and you know it when you meet a real good working Christian scientist, they there's a happiness about them, uh, an enjoyment of life. I I always thought maybe we weren't even supposed to enjoy life. Reg Carey enjoyed life. <laughs> he, just, he was one of the most happiest people I've ever met. And and he'd had tremendous healing and tremendous suffering. Tremendous. But but he knew his God. And that, that is what makes you happy. That's what the laughing and the dancing is about. But not a false gaiety. But is the, the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And a merry heart maketh like a medicine. Those things are good to have. It's good to be happy. You're not supposed to be depressed. And if you are, you need to work on it and, and get out of it. Because, again, I've said it a million times, but joy and gratitude are two essential ingredients to any healing. So if you think you're, you're going to wait before you're joyful and grateful, well, that doesn't work that way. You you, you got to start, even though you feel you you're in a bed of pain. Um, what's that joke? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> there was some joke, Mrs. Evans. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you start out with one ha, <laughs> and then in a day or two, maybe there's ha, ha, ha. And before, the testimony Reg Carey gave, was like it? he was in really serious oh, trouble. Oh, tell it then, and, I know. And then he went to a practitioner and said, you know, he said, I was suffering from a serious thing, and the practitioner says, you've lost your joy. And he started saying, well, how can I be joyful when I'm doing this? You've lost your joy. So he made it a point. He was going to laugh, and he started out with a ha. Thank you, Bruce. And then, sure enough, in time, the mesmerism was broken, and he had his healing ultimately. And it was a very significant healing. It was. It was. A it, it, it was. He had like a, he. He didn't have a lung or something. It was some yeah. huge thing. Um, so he had quite a struggle. And if I could say about something about struggling. The weakest people in this world have never struggled. So if you're struggling through something, this is something to be very encouraged over. Just think about the good that's going to come from this effort and the strength of character that's being developed. And that is a much-needed thing in today's society. Thank, thank you. you very thank, much. thank you very much. You can't be a snowflake. We've got to have a little gumption. That's more in this lesson. Okay. Okay, we'll move on to the next one. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. I found um, John twelve thirty one. It says, "Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out." And in Matthew twenty four thirty one, and he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Okay. For uh, casting away stones, I remembered this from Mark 13, 1 to 3, or 1 to 2, I guess. Uh, it says, as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another. There shall not be thrown down. Thank you. You know, this is the end of all these false systems. They have to go. All the false systems cast down. And and within your own self, too, you cast away that old man, those old stones in yourself, those hardness, the adamant of error, your self-justification. You always have a reason. I'm this way because of this. If my father hadn't been so mean to me, I'd be a happy person or whatever it is. You've got to get rid of that. It's the adamant of error. Um, all those stones have to be cast away. 
and then the building up, the renewing of your mind, um, the, the, the enduring the good and the true is, is the replacement of it. And that's true in our, in our systems, in our society. We've got to, um, love our neighbor as ourselves. We, it has to be in our hearts to do this, not, not because we have to have all these rules and laws and regulations uh, or wars. <laughs> Because it's it's right and it's our God-given right to love each other. And truly, there is one race. They're not all these different races. We're one 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 race for heaven's sakes. We're all equal in God's sight. Yeah, and thank God we're different. Thank God we're different. Holy <laughs> Moses! What everybody brings to the table. And I mean, people who come to our church, you know, they look at us and say, "Wow." You guys are a motley crowd. <laughs> we, we, we are. I'll never forget when you first said that. Was, I was hysterical. <laughs> and if we go out to dinner or something, you know, people look at us and I may just say, wow, where did you come from? <laughs> like they picked one person from every other table and put them there. <laughs> and, and isn't that wonderful? And isn't that wonderful? We rejoice in our differences. And our unity is in Christ, because we're talking about stones. The stone, the chief stone for the corner, the builders rejected, which is Christ. And I thought that was so beautiful that I thought it was a time for embracing. Now, embracing, doesn't that have some kind of element of love and cherishing to it? And if we had that sentiment for the Christ, this thing that the worldliness seems to uh, be so opposed to, and yet it's the one thing to be cherished and loved in our heart. And if we do that, we're going to find everyone's our brother and our sister. And that's it. And it's so wonderful when you find someone, a sister, a brother in Christ, that, that kindred spirit, it just binds you. Um, and it's the greatest thing on earth. It's, it's a much, much better connection than any blood relationship and you know that this whole to me so much of this bible study is about put up thy sword in in miscellaneous writings and the second part about a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing while jesus's life was full of love and a demonstration of love it appeared hate to the carnal mind or mortal thought of his time, he said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. And then, this action of Jesus was stimulated by the same love that closed to the senses that wondrous life, and that summed up its demonstration in the command, put up thy sword. The very conflict of his truth brought in accomplishing its purpose of love meant all the way through, put up thy sword, but the sword must have been drawn before it could be returned into the scabbard. And again, that is a, that is a, chapter in miscellaneous writings every christian scientist must know and be familiar with and you see we love our we love everyone we love our human families we love our friends but sometimes there's a time when we might have to say part for a season not embrace um if they are antagonistic to what you're doing um you have to, the allegory, also in miscellaneous writings, you have to keep going up that mountain. And maybe the embraces stop for a while. And that quote is, where is that quote carved in stone? It's in, it's in yes, in the extension. Not all the light, fluffy quotes. It was put, and Mrs. Eddie Hand picked it for the extension of the Mother Church in Boston, Massachusetts. And she had it carved in stone, not painted. So it couldn't be so taken away. So it can't away. be erased. Because she knew. 
she what happened to her? If it were merely painted, somebody someday would have it erased because the human mind doesn't like it. No. And so the and this is the taking up of the cross. This is the difficult part sometimes. It it'll happen. You don't plan it to happen, but it'll start happening if you're really walking the walk and following Christ. People in your life that you were once close to, at least for a season, you won't be anymore while you are working out your salvation. And in doing that, you bless them far more than if you just pal around with them and, um, you know, agree with, oh, Christian science is a crazy religion or whatever else they might be saying. Um, you'll, you'll prove to them otherwise. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto you. Yes. When you are lifted up, all men will be drawn up unto you. It's, it's, this is a principle, a rule, but you must be willing to walk that walk. And you're not mean about it. You don't have to be mean about it. Those things just happen. And if they happen, they happen. And you take it in good grace. But, um, and what did Mrs. Eddie say about following her? She said, follow me. Follow Christ. Yeah, only insofar as I follow the Christ. So it's the Christliness that we embrace. It's the Christliness in everyone who expresses that Christliness that we embrace. And it's, and it's a protection, isn't it? For those who are really seriously working to spiritualize their thought and to be of use to God in mankind. It's a protection that we embrace one another. And we refrain from embracing the human mind that would oppose. And whenever we see it, we refrain from embracing it. <laughs> As Mary said, we get we take the sword out and cut its head off. Remember, look, who who embraced Jesus at the at the very end? Judas. 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 So embracing doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, and and Jesus knew. And of course, Jesus knew. his his comment to him. Yeah, the kiss of death. And you know, in the last session, Carrie had found this. It's just such a wonderful article called "Belligerent." <laughs> oh my! I think it's on our website. Is it? If it is, yeah, it is. Yeah, I it. Yeah, it 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 goes along with "Put Up Thy Sword," and it was written in, um, you know, early on. Can't find it right now, but anyway, it was like the late 1800s. So Mrs. Eddy was around at the time, and he starts off the article saying that um, here it is, November 1887 issue of the journal. This journal is sometimes accused of being too belligerent. This adjective comes from two Latin words, bellum war and gero to wage or make. The accusation therefore implies that the journal is too apt to knock the chip from every opposing shoulder to pick up the gauntlet thrown down, even though it might be a tiny doll's mitten. So, but anyway, he just goes on, as I talked about in the last session, how the importance of being willing to fight. And just as this article put up the sword, you've got to be willing at the beginning stages. And he says, Jesus was the lamb led to the slaughter, dumb before his shears and opening not his mouth. Yet as somebody had suggested, there is no wrath so terrible as the wrath of the lamb spoken of in the apocalypse, a wrath especially directed against the red dragon and the harlot Babylon. These baleful fiends still demand vigilance and need to be put down. Is that not true? Belligerent? People talk as if the New Testament injunction read thus, keep your temper and sin not. Whereas, really it reads, be ye angry and sin not. Remember that? I remember we had that in a Bible study. I was a little puzzled by it. 
Be ye angry and sin not. So what does that mean? Be angry at what's not right. Why not? Yes. And righteous indignation. I mean, are we going to be nice to the great red dragon and the Babylonian woman? Hello? <laughs> everything so not... This, go ahead, please. No, I was just saying everything not of God, not according to his standard, absolutely not. Yes. And in Mrs. Eddy's article in Taking Offense, she said you don't take personal offense, but what? Unless offense be against God. Thank you. If the offense be against God, so then it says, from this it appears that anger is sometimes a duty and that one can be angry in either one of two ways, with sin or without. Men are angry, yet without sin, when sacred fury is roused, not over individual wrongs, but over injustice to others, and especially towards life, truth, and love, as manifested in holy living and holy healing. This is one of the main thrusts that Christian Boston scientists, as we call them, the organization has lost in getting so nice, as we talked about on Sunday. Nice, not kind. It's kind to stand up for what's right, isn't it? It's loving. It's God-fearing. It is absolutely right. And it's our duty to do. And this article is so sweet. It's full of these articles. Of Examples of these ministers who, you know, you know, there was one, uh, he, he, one older minister, I think he was walking along with his wife and this, it was a narrow way and the, the wife was walking in front of him and some guy began giving her a hard time. So then he left. So then when the minister caught up to his wife, he said, okay, let that happen again. All right. Let that happen again. <laughs> and so this guy, comes out from the shadows again and starts giving his wife a hard time. And this minister goes and picks him up by the <laughs> neck, <laughs> brings him to the church, drags him into the church, scares the bejesus out of him. And isn't that wonderful? Hopefully today he wouldn't be put in jail. <laughs> but he took action against something that was wrong. And I, the man eventually, I think, became a converted <laughs> Hopefully a disciple, but <laughs> but anyway. So so let's remember this in in this yin and yang of this Bible study. Because when you stand up for right, there's a good chance that somebody will be offended. Yes, yes, very good. And and, and, and that's a good thing, and something that you should not ever be afraid of. Because when someone gets offended, what does it mean? You've hit an error. You've hit an error in their thought, in their life, that needs to come out, that, that is, you know, that has enslaved them, and you would free them, help to free them from that enslavement, if they will recognize that, that they're being offended, <laughs> is because they've been harboring something that's not good for them. Jesus offended a lot of people. That's why he was... he was. Um, Some of them understood why they were offended, and they changed. But most of them didn't understand why they were offended. And so they tried to kill the messenger. Okay, Lillian, do more to add for um, anyone? Lawrence, do you have any more? Or anyone? Really? Well, it's just that I, I kind of recognize that like there's almost like two kinds of stones that you cast away your heart and heart. And then the other stones that you bring together is, when I looked up the word stones, it was like strength and firmness. You're casting away like this weakness out of your heart. You know, they call it a hardened heart. It's like a weakness. 
Like you're you're not standing up to the things that are right because you you're not recognizing them as being righteous or godly or spiritual. And then the kind of the good stones that you want to gather together are the, the strength and the firmness and conviction of those things. And I think, like I struggled a lot with, um, I was just to say, it's just not right. You know, it, it's just something within me would just recognize that this, this is not the right thing to do. Not, not for me, not for that individual. It's just not right to do in the world. And, and I struggle even more, like being, Coming into Christian Science, I, I think I struggle even more with that. Like, recognize all of these things that I had settled into before, like thinking that, you know, this is okay, this is what everybody does. And then having better understanding. No, I just, I, I really struggle with righteousness. So I'll be here just one more minute, because it'll be over. We can hear you talking, whoever is. Thank you, Luann. Matthew Henry says, There is a time to gather stones together for the making of strong homes. Yes, that's it. That's what we all better be doing. I was also thinking of, I think it's a hymn, The Living Stones. Yes, yes, that's the right sense of the stones. But thank you, that's a good example, Luann, of how you felt. And when you are feeling it's not right, it most likely isn't right. And don't think there's nothing you can can do about it, because there's always something you can do about it. Right. And don't think that there's something wrong with you because you're struggling. Yeah, it's it's not that's a right. good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's something. Even though people will try to tell you there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that I was being really judgmental and, and things like that, but now. It's, when you get a better understanding of things, it's just not right for the whole world to have to deal with this stuff that's going on. Or it's not right for anybody. And I, I do get caught up in this sometimes, and I have to catch myself with the rights and the wrongs, and, and I really have to work hard on praying about that. Well, that's a good point. To judge righteous judgment is a good thing. To judge people personally is not is, is not the right thing. No, no, no. that's the love. Yeah. Yes, that's where the love is. That's why it's okay to be ang be angry and sin not. When you're angry from a standpoint of love and caring and compassion, that's the right kind of anger. When you're angry because you just hate somebody or you find them annoying or whatever else, then that that's wrong. That's very wrong. And there's a big difference. All the difference in the world. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe I know with my own children, especially when they were teenagers, you know, and they do something that, <laughs> and I'd come after them, it would be, oh, Ma, calm down, everybody's doing it. <laughs> and and that's easy to, oh, well, yeah, maybe I'm being too tough. No, if it's not right, it's not right. So you hang in there and get it right. And, and at least they know what you stand for, and that's very important. And they will appreciate the strength of your stand, and it will be a source of security for them. Yes. And they'll remember it when they have their own character. Yes, they certainly, you certainly see that come to pass. Yes, they will be stricter. They will. They will. So we should move on. We don't want to. Okay. Um, on, um, which one are we on? A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. That reminds me of Matthew sixteen twenty four, where Jesus says unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That is perfect. Thank you. <laughs> that is perfect. You have to be willing to, to lose all that, again, the old man and, and all that materiality 
that's one of the big drawbacks. People are afraid they're going to lose something important. You really don't lose anything important. You never lose anything important. And, and then you end up gaining. You gain the kingdom of God. I mean, that's kind of a big... It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So don't go around thinking you're going to lose something important. But that's the perfect, perfect, um, perfect explanation. It sure is. It goes perfectly with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you end up being grateful for losing all that stuff. You mm-hmm. do. It's a great. And you lose pride and shame and all of those awful emotions, guilt and fear and negativity, lose all of that. And then you keep, you keep the good. Well, Jesus gave us a parable about the guy that threw a net into the sea, blew up whatever came with it, but then went through the separating process. The good was saved in vessels and the bad was cast away. But he described that as the kingdom of heaven. You think the kingdom of heaven is arriving at the ultimate perfection? No, it's going through the process of separating the good and the bad and keeping the good, throwing out the bad. Thank you. That's a beautiful. That's very good. Yeah. Beautiful illustration. Yeah. And that's why the kingdom of heaven is within each one of us. It's a process of discovering and seeing it clearly. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that great? Like that. Um, There's a little poem that in retrospection and introspection, I don't know if she wrote it or somebody else wrote it, but it says that God grinds exceedingly small. Yeah. I think of that. Time <laughs> goes on here. It's not gigantic things in my life that are getting like taken out or whatever, but it's like smaller things as time goes on. Yeah, it's truth that grinds it to a powder. Anyone else on that one? Um, made me think of the guy who built bigger barns to hold all his stuff that he had okay. and, and then ended up losing his soul. And uh, Okay, so we'll go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank sure. you all. Those were beautiful. Yes. A time to rend and a time to sow. Time to keep silent and a time to speak. <laughs> rend. Rend. To tear asunder. Put forth and tear apart with force. You rend that which is unrighteous. You put together that which is righteous. And that again, that's like Jesus going into the temple where the money changers were, right? He rent it, ripped it apart. It's an offense to God. If that were done more frequently over the past years, our churches would be more pure. Instead, we've had where the human mind and materiality is come in and polluted and adulterated. You you have to you have to be fierce on those errors. It's also it's, um oh go ahead. I'm sorry. No, please. <laughs> well it just reminded me also uh, uh we were <clears throat> talking a few weeks ago with a a watch we had <clears throat> and a daily watch and it talked about we can't patch up the mortal sense of self with uh we're not trying to use Christian science to patch up a mortal body, but to drop it for the true sense of man. So you, you can't, it doesn't work <laughs> if you're trying to patch up some sense of a false sense of self. It's not, it's not going to work. You have to drop the false sense of self and gain the new man, put on the new man. Thank you. Very good. Yes. Putting holiness yep. on our holiness. That's right. Crafting holiness on unholiness. You can't do it. You gotta drop it. Get out of the way and then let God come in and God use you. And that must be, you have to make sure you fill it up with the truth. 
Because if you don't, what's the parable of that when you when you sweep it clean? Then <laughs> the devil comes up. back with with, well, with all um, of his cousins and nephews, <laughs> <laughs> and it's seven times worse. He will call all his friends and come bring them yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls up all his friends and come. So you got to fill it up with that joy, that peace, that expression of God, and that um, and again in miscellany. What our leader says. Remember that? Keep your mind so filled. Thank you. Keep your mind so filled on right. all, yeah, all the good. The errors. There's no, there's there's no, no room for error to huh? enter. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. important, we know our textbooks, Science and Health and Prose Works, it's the answers are there. <clears throat> Which goes back to what we read in the very beginning, the quote from Martha Wilcox. So, so yeah, those were good. Thank you, Karen, and um, and then a keeping keep silence. Keep silence and a time to speak. So when is it right to keep silence? Well, I thought of two. Go ahead. I thought of two examples. Um, when Jesus was before Pilate, he didn't say anything. He was, he just, you know, the Pilate couldn't understand why Jesus wouldn't defend himself. And he just was still. He just didn't say anything. He didn't speak to the mortal mind because what was the point? He wasn't going to. And I, I thought of that. And then I also thought of Jesus when he was writing in the sand before the woman that was being, uh, where they were going to stone her. And um, we talked about that not too long ago, too, in one of our, I um, can't remember, Bible studies or roundtable, but how he, he just um, wrote in the sand and kept quiet while everybody's conscience was doing what it was doing. And they could see in, in the silence, everybody was hearing their own conscience. And then when he said, those who throw the first, you know, cast, those of you who are without sin cast the first stone, and they just all walked away. And so I, I thought of those two examples of when he had to, when he kept silent and then when he spoke. That was beautiful. Yeah. And he instructed he instructed us to not cast our pearls before swine. In Mrs. Eddie's treatment for every day, which I use every morning, it it always I always um have used Give me grace to remain silent when it is not necessary to speak. Beloved Thank Father, you. Mother, give me this wisdom to meet the problems that come up today. Give me the understanding to deny error. Give me grace to remain silent when it is not necessary to speak. So you don't argue with people. Thank you very much. So true. Undisturbed. Amid the jarring senses. Yeah, when when you're being confronted with an obnoxious, materially-minded argument, nobody wins an argument. So there's no reason to say anything if the audience is not receptive to the truth. Yeah. However, when people come to you humbly, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, you have a lot to offer, and they are they and and they are ready to listen. That's the time to that's the time to speak. I feel at all times, you know, listening to God. That has been my experience. The time comes where you you feel the urge to speak, and when it it does, quiet. Because everything, anything good at the wrong time won't benefit anybody anyway. Yeah. Now it'll just increase antagonism. Yes. I find that a lot in my shop when I have a lot of different people in there and their different views and they want to go on about their medical aches and pains. And it's so, like, there's so many of them talking about the same thing and they're just feeding off each other's information and all that stuff. So there's, there's a lot of times that I, I have to just sit there and, and be quiet because mm-hmm. I mean, there's really, like you said, like, 
like there's no point in trying to, you know, relay all this information and, you know, get them on the right track with it. They're just on a roll. So I just, I'm quiet and I'm praying to God for the, the right words to say or most of the time, just let them go and know that God is in the midst of it. You know, they will get it. They will receive the message at some point. And I have to sit back and just just be still and be undisturbed by everything that's going on in the world. Just know that God is there. I'm sure you being quiet and healthy is like a very loud thing in that. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> it is a very loud thing. Yeah. A very loud example. Mm-hmm. And they will feel it. And Mrs. Eddy says that in science and health, uh, sometimes it's much better. A mental treatment is much better than a verbal one because the verbal will meet resistance. While the mental one, they, they feel it, but they don't know where it's coming from. or they. <laughs> but you must do something. You don't ever breathe an immoral atmosphere unless an attempt to purify it. Again, in the extension of the mother church over the reader's head, you have to do something. Otherwise, you if the arrow will jump you. You're listening to everyone talking about their diseases. You have to mentally, at best, or at least, combat that. And, and if God to, tells you something to do something more, that as well. Linda? Oh, I was, it's all that you have all been saying, but it's when Luke, uh, chapter 12, Jesus told them that when he went up in front of the, I guess the Sanhedrin or whatever, the synagogue, and uh, the powers uh, that God will give you what to say, and uh, take so no take no thought of how or what you will answer what you say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you shall what you ought to say. And close. Thank you. That's a wonderful. I think of that often. Wonderful. We will know what to say and do, especially when you've been living it day by day. The other thing, and perhaps this goes back to what Karen said. Jesus never defended himself. You know, when he was before the, what is it? The Pilate. Head? Yeah, Pilate. 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 He, didn't, he didn't say, I didn't do that. You know, he never defended himself. He defended others, but not himself, which I think speaks a lot about him. Um, he, you know, or he, they accuse him of something and he would say, well, you, you say it. Um, he was very wise. He was incredibly wise in how he answered. I mean, the only the only time he, uh, that I can remember that he came close to even defending himself is when he was uh, being attacked, and he said, "I have healed the sick, I've raised the dead. For which of these good works do you accuse me?" Yeah, Jeremy. That is a good thing. You know, he knew how to shut them down. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 I really want to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> he just shut down the arguments. It, it's amazing. To study him for that alone is priceless. How he answered. I, I read in the commentaries, and it really struck me that when he when the, when they were going to stone the woman, and he went down and he was writing in this, in this gravel, uh, what the commentary said, he was writing all their sins out in the dirt and they could see it. Yeah, I thought, wow. shut them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes the deadliest thing is to remain silent. Silence is golden. And that was true with Mrs. Evans. You know, she was very quick to say things. But when she was quiet, you, 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 were, really, you really were in bad trouble. She, she, she didn't even bother to say anything. Uh-oh. And that silence was very golden. It was, <laughs> and that's true. I'm sure you know with children too. You know, sometimes just giving them a look. <laughs> yeah, just being quiet, just, just looking. Yeah. You know. When they're know. especially quiet in the other room, they're like, "Where? <laughs> 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 yeah. So anyway, I wanted to say about this too. Uh, one thing I've really learned here, and I try to keep to, is like if somebody emails me and asks a question. Unless I feel like I get the words for it, I'm not going to write back. I'm not going to be pressured to write. Yeah. And that's been a really helpful thing to uh, to try to try to live by. Thank you, and that's good, and that's good to know. I feel that too. Often in answering emails, I wait till I feel that the spirit has moved on me. Um, 
very important because you can be too hasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be quiet. What does God have to say about this? Thank you. We're going a little over, but we got a late start, and I, I would like to finish this today. So if any of you have to leave, then you can listen later to the um We got one more to do. We have one more to do. We could talk forever on all of this. <laughs> <laughs> one more line of this great poem called Time to Love and a Time to Hate, a Time of War and a Time of Peace. On the second part, the time of war and a time of peace made me think of when Jesus uh, was being tempted um, by the devil, and um, then when he, when that was all over with, and he rebuked the devil, the error, and got rid of him, and he the devil left, and he was ministered to by angels after that. Yeah, he fought the war, didn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. A war on false belief, a war on error of any kind. We got to be willing to to get the sword out and cut the cut cut its head off. Yeah, all all those temptations, they were crafty temptations. He fought the war. He didn't let it um, get the better of him. But. She, well, she said something last night and I was asking her. Yeah, I, I recognized when I went through this poem the first time, I recognized like on the last line, or all the other lines before says a time to, and on this, the last one it says a time of war hmm. and a time of peace. Hmm. So it's like to run you through all of the, the steps of what it takes to strengthen you and Conviction, your your firmness is conviction, and then at the end is the the time of war and the time of peace. And I was wondering why why Solomon wrote like two to two always, and then at the end put of the time of war, time of peace. Well, I, I was thinking that when you do the preceding things, you will arrive at peace, and if you don't do the preceding yeah. things. We'll probably be in war, mm-hmm. um, which we to prefer not to be in. Mm-hmm. And a lot, and, and like you said, a lot of people won't make war when it's the appropriate time. And I thought because it is a time of war, it's not like your choice when it starts to stop. So you're just starting to fight and listed as Gary Oaks. It's here. We have to do it. And if you handle the other things that come up, you won't get into a big war. And that's true of our relationships. You know, when you're just silent in the meantime, you're not speaking up when you should. You're not doing the things that you you know in your heart you really should be. Then you have this huge blow up. It leads to all kinds of, you know, divorces, wars, big problems. I mean, war, talking about nations fighting, that's the worst. But when we don't take care of it, as it comes up one by one, what it leads to. That's why all times are so critical. Are we doing what we should? If we are, we will prevent war. Otherwise, we're we're marching on to war. It's an accumulation of unresolved issues. Thank you. Thank you. That's how to say it. An accumulation of unresolved issues. Some people die because of that. They have so many unresolved issues, they'd rather die than confront it. So don't get to that point. Keep keep your slate clean day by day. Day by day the manna fell. Oh, to learn this lesson well. And when your slate's not clean, don't be so lazy that you're not willing to do the work. Get it clean. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you let your house get Hmm. Filthy, dirty, and you just don't want to try to bother to clean it. Then it gets so dirty, it's overwhelming. Yeah, keep up. (laughs) But it's never too late. It looks like you got a big job. Well, just remember, the hardest part about a big job is getting started. Yes. So let's get started. Yes. So true. Boy, do I know that. I can sit and think about doing it. (laughs) Hours. <laughs> Get up and do it. But to think God is our help every time. 
So, yeah, God yeah. shall help. It it works. I mm-hmm. it sure does. And just one step at a time. I think it was Edward Kimball said it. When you don't know what to do, just go on. Yeah, mm-hmm. keep going. Take that next step. Well, you know, they talked about the love and the hate. The Bible talks about eschewing evil and doing good. So it's very clear. There's no room for a lukewarm position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. I will spew I thee out. Would rather that be your neighbor. <laughs> Sorry. Pardon me? I, I, it, you know, Jesus says to love your, love your neighbor. Um, and so I, I, I put down, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But he said to love your enemies and pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you. So that, that, that's the truest sense of love. That even, even your, even so-called people that aren't doing the right thing, they love each other. <clears throat> but to love, to love your enemies and to, um, See them in their right way is the true sense of love. And he yeah. also separated the evil from the person. Yeah. yeah. He was brutal with the evil. Yeah. He loved <clears throat> the person to see who they really were. He beheld yeah. in science the perfect man after all. So yeah. And that's why, you know, when he threw the money changes out of the temple, that was very loving. When he, those scathing things he said to the Pharisees was very loving was very loving. He was addressing an error that needed to be addressed. And and he did it. Be angry and sin not. And that's what he did. That's our example. We hate evil. We hate it with a passion. That's why we must know it's no part of anyone, right? Exactly. I love and watch his prayers and arguments. Mrs. Eddie writes, and it's not the whole quote, but she says, Grant um, of me, my God, that neither the joy nor the sorrow of this period shall have visited my heart in vain. Mm-hmm. I just love that idea of that. Thank you. Maybe that's a good closing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Hello? Um, well, I, I just put a little short little thing. Um, Solomon ends the poem with peace. But meaning comes, the meaning of the poem comes full circle, like the circle of life. Mm. Thank you. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you, Lorraine. Thank, yeah. you. thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging in with us today. Yeah. Okay.